Hello everyone, I just wanted to take a minute before this episode started to just appreciate you guys for everything that has gone on at least recently. I know for this past month I have not been consistent at all with my episodes and even so with the content just in general on social media. Uh, I really, really appreciate you guys for sticking in there and I just wanted to give you that appreciation guys because you guys absolutely deserve it and I'm so ready to get back to this content and making this content for you guys. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode considering the context of the second leg of the Klausura final featuring Tigres, the now champions of that Clausura final uh, against Givas. So I hope you guys enjoy this week's episode of the Wormbutter Podcast. Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of season 3 of the Wormbutter Podcast. I am your host, Justin, and for this week, I have a very special set of guests for you guys today. We will be having La U Times from, I believe, Texas. Houston. And Houston, Texas. And then we will also be having the Club Tigres English unofficial from, all, I believe, Texas as well. Austin. Awesome. Very nice. Welcome, you guys, to the Wormburner Podcast. Thanks Great to be here, us. Justin. Thank you. Awesome. So I think the first and foremost question that I have to ask you guys, and we can go one at a time with this, over the recent game that Tigres has had that both of you guys support was the championship game second leg, and Tigres came back from a 2-0 position to winning the game. So I I wanted to get you guys' reaction. What you guys what was going through your head in the sixty fifth minute when Don Andre Gignac got his penalty? I mean, I think that, you know, it was very uh emotional obviously, but I think that it was even more meaningful that he was the one that scored the goal because he has been our best player over the last eight years or so. So I think that him scoring that penalty kick gave us, the fan base, a lot of hope as to what could possibly happen. And we all know that a 2-0 deficit in soccer is the most, uh, it's the worst league to, to hold. So I think that that was, uh, we knew we, were, we had created a spark. We got a saying in the Tigres community that says, a lo Tigres. So in, in Tigres fashion, translated roughly into English and basically... If you're a part of this club and you know its history, you know that you suffer a lot in these big-time games. Uh, it's not uncommon to go through this kind of stress. Being down 2-0, uh, you know, obviously we were all stressed, but we knew there was a fight in this team and we knew that we would come back. And when Gignac takes a PK, there's a lot of confidence on our part. That guy is, is a very capable PK taker, and I knew he was going to send it home. And so once that that goal was scored, I knew we had a comeback in us, and I knew we would we would come back and win this championship. Absolutely. And then with the 71st-minute goal from Sebastian Cordova and then the 110-minute goal from – I might butcher his name here. Guido. 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 Yeah. Guido. 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 Guido
I was going to say Guido, so that was... <laughs> hey, you should. Our boy Sean calls him that on our podcast. Okay, all right. <laughs> so in, in honor of that, Guido uh, Pizarro. So uh, what were you guys' reactions to those two goals? I'll let you go first this time, Lou. Yeah, just pure excitement, pure joy. Uh, Cordova had been red hot for us the whole postseason. He was the he was our goal scorer for most matches against Rayados and Puebla, and so he was coming in red hot. And I knew he had one in him. And so when he we he sent that one home uh, after a beautifully placed cross from Aquino, I knew that you know we were going to come back and win this. And so it was just pure excitement. I think a lot of the fans were going crazy at that point. We were all going crazy. We were going nuts because. We knew we were close, and that and that that was going to be the turning point. Uh, the pressure was on Chivas at that point. We're coming from behind, as the saying goes, the horse that comes from behind wins, and uh, we were that horse. And so I think uh, the fans were pretty giddy, pretty uh, upbeat after that goal. And you know, to add on to that, you know, we've been in this position be- before. In 2016, we were uh, down 1-0 in extra time to America. You know, in the final as well, and we scored a goal in the 119th minute. So uh, I think that ultimately we knew that coming from behind and scoring a goal, it was ours to take and, you know, ours to win. And for those unfamiliar with the Liga MX uh, league setup, they have 18 teams in the league, and the top 13 make it into a playoff system in which they fight for essentially a final spot to win the title. I wanted to ask a question around this. How does it feel as a fan of Tigres coming and winning the Clausura final after finishing seventh in the league? I think we're we're made for these type of uh, games, and I think that having the type of roster that we've had over the last decade has really shown what um, the team is capable of, and especially knowing how to play these two-legged games. So going in the seventh seed, you know, it wasn't, at least for me, it wasn't that important because it's hard to beat us in one game, let alone beat us in two games. So knowing that the Liguilla and how it's set up, and, you know, I just wanted to correct you on it. It was 12 teams, not, oh. uh, not 13. And it's actually changing format again uh, as we head into next season in traditional Liga MX fashion. Uh, it's going to go from the top 10 teams. They're going to have a wild card between the ninth and the 10th or even – no, the 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th teams are having a wild card until then we get the 7th uh, and 8th seed. So probably want to look that up because I might be incorrect as well <laughs> because it changes so often. Uh, Liga MX uh, owners are invested into a lot of money, and the more games, the the more money for the, the league. Yes, thank you for the correction. I appreciate that because it it's it is one thing for me that I want to learn all of these leagues and learn all of the formats and stuff. So thank you, I appreciate that. Uh, going to you, Tigres English. I think. What what are your thoughts on? Again, being a Tigres fan and, and finishing in seventh, but coming back and, and winning the Clausura final. Historically, it's never favored us to finish first. Uh, we, we've done it in the past where we had flawless seasons and then we, we end up just not doing very well. You you have to understand the system and you have to understand how to play within that system to take advantage of it. Uh, our arch rivals finished top of the standings, 40 points, and we knocked them out. Uh, so you have to understand it's it's basically two tournaments, and you don't get anything or a whole lot for 
for winning that first tournament. And so once that second tournament starts, you want to just – that's the tournament you want to win, which is Liguilla. And so I think Tigres understands that very well. Obviously, I want my team to be near the top of the standings, but it's not very important to me. What I want is my team to play really well in the postseason in that Liguilla – that's what really matters. And so when you take it as a separate tournament, a shorter separate tournament that's going to give you the title, the cup, then you invest more into it than you do into the regular season. There's no point in wearing yourself out. We're a veteran squad, so there's no point in wearing out my squad trying to finish in the top two, top three, and then running out of steam for the postseason. So so to me, I'm I'm perfectly okay with the squad finishing seventh. It's not an issue for me. Add on to that historically, and we were talking about it while we were recording also earlier, is the fact that out of the eight championships that we've won in our club existence, six have been, you know, finishing on, on the road. So that means that we were not the highest seed available because normally the higher seed finishes at home. So six championships on the road. So we knew we had a chance. Interesting. That That's actually an interesting statistic. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I think going into the whole setup of Liga MX, I, I did want to ask you guys, as fans of this whole league in general, what is one thing, positive and negative, either at the club level or maybe even the national level, we could get into a tiny bit, that you feel like either helps or hurts Mexican soccer or Mexican football in general? One thing for me that that uh, stands out in this league is that no matter if you're you know top of the standings or you're towards the bottom at 13th or 14th most matches are competitive. You don't get a lot of blowouts. Teams are very evenly matched for the most part. Obviously, you do have four or five possibly six top contenders, but any team can come in and beat you. Any week. I mean, this, if you look at this season, for example, Tigres won the championship, but we lost to the bottom team. We lost to Mazatlan, uh, which was a terrible team. But they, at any point, you know, matches are always competitive. They can come in. Anybody can come in and beat you. And we struggled against the bottom teams, actually, this season. We struggled against, uh, Mazatlan. We struggled against Cholos. Querétaro. Uh, so, you know, we had some really tough matches against the bottom teams. To me, I think the positive is that, you know, to add on to his point, is just anybody has a shot at winning the championship. You know, you talk about the seeding aspect of it. We won as the seventh seed. Sometimes the eighth seed has won the championship. Um, so I think that the target is to get into the Liguilla, and like Lou said, that it's a whole another tournament. And so to me that, you know, creates a system where, you know, everyone has a shot, you know, and, you know, it's competitive. But it also, you know, kind of rewards uh, in a not the greatest way because, you know, first place team Rayados, 40 points, had great statistics offensively, the best offense, the best defense, and, you know, record-breaking points on in their club. And then, you know, they're out in the semifinals, nothing really get out of it. So I think that that's something that from, uh, I don't want to say just to reward any club, I think that looking at that – if we had like the supporter shields, which were something that's going to be implemented now going into next season, like the MLS where the team when the, that has the most points in the calendar year is able to win a cup per se, but I'm not really sure how they, how every team is going to really approach that. And just talking about the, the negatives, Justin, I think I would say what 
Arnoldo mentioned in a previous comment is the, that the owners do have a ton of power. And a lot of the times the decisions that get made or don't make a lot of sense. And there's conflict of interest. Uh, two seasons, three seasons back, we had a president, club president, and his brother was part of the committee that oversees the refs. So conflict of interest there. So there's a lot of that going on. Uh, not, not to say there's anything crazy shady going on. But it just kind of makes you question the decision making, the transparency, a lot of the stuff that goes on in the, you know, in, in, in the decisions that get made. And, you know, that's, that's one thing I think that could be improved is being more transparent, letting fans know why decisions are getting made and not just for monetary reason or monetary gain. Or just for the simple fact that, you know, one team owner owns the biggest network in Mexico. Yeah. And then you have, you know, two, another owner that owns two teams and another owner that owns two teams is just—it's a lot of uh, conflict of interest and you know a lot of uh, corruption that goes on. And like from a fan perspective, you kind of get used to that being the flaw in our league. You know, it kind of takes away from like the true positive things like of how competitive the league can be at, at a global level. Going forward, I wanted to get you guys' opinion on the CONCACAF Champions League, going in the, to the CONCACAF aspect. Um, I, I don't want to have a flex here for the United States, so I, I don't want you guys to take this in a negative way. But from you guys' opinion, with the United States ending their 20-year continental title drought, what does that mean to Liga MX? To the Federation, as far as like club owners? In, or in to the, the aspect, fans in general. Or to the fans, could we do both? To the owners and clubs, nothing. Because our the most viewed league in the United States is the uh, Mexican League. And obviously that has to with our, everyone immigrating to this country and following the league. So the most of the money from Liga MX is sourced from the United States. And so I think from the owner perspective, I think that some may care, you know, the the likes of like Pachuca you know, who form a lot of players and are interested in that sort of thing. But I think overall, as, you know, the whole club aspect, I don't think they're really interested. As a fan perspective, it hurts. It definitely hurts because growing up, that's like the one thing that we have always been proud of, or proud of, I'm sorry, it's our, our sport because it's something that's deep within our roots. It's something that everyone breeds, lives by. So I think that it's truly sad to see the national team and how it's been handled over the last, you know, 15 years or so um, with all the money grabbing, you know, things that they're doing by just having games in the United States, playing teams that are not really up to their level, and there's really no youth development happening. Yeah, I'm with Arnoldo. Uh, to me, I get the sense that the Federation is really courting the neighbors up north. Uh, there's a little bit of a marriage, of a fusion going on between, you know, the top brass in MLS and the top brass in, in Liga MX. So the rivalry really takes place at, at a fan level. There's a pride issue there. Obviously, we never want to lose. And, um, and uh, honestly, to me, I see the MLS growing and I see Liga MX growing. I see us growing together. Like, I don't what i what i potentially see is four or five teams from mls and four or five teams from mexico kind of shooting up towards the top and separating themselves from the lower teams 
And I think you're starting to see that on a global scale. I mean, you look at the who wins most most times in the Bundesliga, who wins most times in in the Serie A or in in the Premier League. There's a separation going on between the top and bottom, and I think that's going to eventually happen with uh, Liga MX and MLS as well. I, I, in the future, I think we could see that maybe five years down the road where you, where you have four or five teams that are just kind of holding their own. And I think that's where the rivalries are going to be taking place. You're going to have teams like Tigres going off against the LAFCs, you know. You're going to see a lot of that. And then rivalries being created off of that. And and then you'll, I think it's we're almost going to be writing a new history in a sense where from here moving forward is how have we fared against each other, you know, in, in, in the finals or in semifinals and, and things like that. So it won't be so much pride of leagues, but team team pride kind of being taken into effect. Absolutely. I And this is a perfect segue into my next question of for both of you. Where do you guys see CONCACAF as a organization within the next 10 to 15 years on the back of this 2022 World Cup and onward? I think that there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of potential. I think that the sport has truly grown here, especially in the United States. I think it's always, obviously always present there in Mexico, but I think also the Caribbean, it has grown a lot. The Central Americans uh, have also taken a lot more seriousness as far as like infrastructure and development as far as their players and like their homegrown players. So I think that I don't think we'll ever probably surpass European football or South American football in terms of skill set, talent, but I think that the infrastructure could be a way to make that happen, especially with so many immigrants being in the United States. Uh, it would allow for the, some of these players to go play for some of their roots back home and Central America and the Caribbean and even Mexico. Yeah, there's there's a ton of potential there. I, I really like what Canada did this last uh, last stretch eliminations and 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 so that that tells me that you know teams are going to start stepping it up i do want to see concacaf kind of invest in in some of the lower tier teams i don't want to see teams like el salvador and guatemala get left behind i think it's ideal to find a way to get some of these countries help and because there's a ton of talent i mean you look at central america there's a lot of talented uh footballers there and uh, it's worth the investment because overall the competition is going to help us. It doesn't do us any good to have the U.S. and Mexico be great and now Canada. And then we end up losing Costa Rica, Panama, Honduras, El Salvador. I think there's there's some work to be done in, in that side of things. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with that last point of investing in those the lower aspect as well because – uh, I actually did an episode on the podcast earlier this year uh, going over the potential pros and cons of Puerto Rico getting an expansion team in the MLS, if that could actually be a feat. And one of the things that I found in that research going into that episode was that Puerto Rico is doing a lot, not only for the club level – to get that league reinstated, yes, even though it's an, an amateur league, it is something there in Puerto Rico to get the get the nation going in soccer again. They're also trying their hardest to qualify for the 2022 World Cup since 
I believe an additional three births have been given to the CONCACAF region, other than, of course, the United States, Mexico, and Canada getting in. I I think that can really, really benefit our region as a whole. And, uh, of course, I don't think we'll be catching up to Europe or anybody like that anytime soon, but it's a step in the right direction. And going from there, we've been trickling around it a little bit, and I, I wanted to ask, with this exposure here in the United States, how do you guys feel pros or cons in this situation? Because, uh, of course, with Mexico kind of leaning towards the United States financially it, it, when it comes to the league in that aspect, because, of, of course, you had brought up that Liga MX is the most viewed league in the United States. Where do you guys see the pros, cons on that? I think the the partnerships that are getting formed are have some potential for for benefiting both both leagues and clubs on both ends of the spectrum, but you also have to be careful about diluting the product on the pitch. As my art teacher used to say, less is more. And and sometimes from what I've seen, at least on the Mexican Federation side, is that they do too much of something and then it ends up diluting the product. The, the quality on the pitch is not there and then fans lose interest. So it's got to be done correctly how we we end up, you know, playing each other, these tournaments. Sometimes it feels like it's too much. Sometimes like like we're pushing it. Leagues Cup, for example, is one of those that just doesn't feel right. And so I think because the money aspect is there, because there's so many fans north of the border that are willing to watch these games, going go to the stadium, I think it feels like an easy money grab for a lot of for people in the federations, but I think you got to be careful because it it could end up ruining what we've what we built. Yeah, and we even touched on it a little bit today as we were closing on our pod. You know, Tigres was in this like little run of like bad form and bad games under our second coach this semester, and we were thinking that the Concacaf was going to be the easier route to win and. You know, if we won it, great. You know, we're going to another Club World Cup. But then we're also thinking, like, we're looking bad in the league. Is there a way that we're going to get back to CONCACAF Champions League? And we were like, okay, the League's Cup is going to be our way to go because that gives, is giving three teams a chance for the, you know, where the 2014 format is going to uh, be starting. And so now we were able to get based on points because of some of the teams that weren't able to get in or, you know, already had their birth into it. And then eventually now we won the league, so we secure our spot in that form. So I think, like, you know, I mentioned it to close out the pod, it's like that tournament for us loses relevance because it now becomes warm-up games, especially after winning the championship on Sunday and we go back to training on the 15th and then that starts, what, the 11th, if I'm not missing, maybe the 14th of July or something like that. So a month later... You know, after winning the championship or coming back from winning the championship, it, it, they just become warm-up games, especially if you stop at three games into the season for us. Okay, yeah, I I kind of share in that sentiment of the League's Cup kind of not really having that, uh, that umph when it comes to a competition in CONCACAF. I feel like we could kind of invest 
in better better areas than than that kind of a competition. But uh, it, then just expand the Concacaf Champions League, really, or, or do something uh, along those lines. I to have a competition with just the United States and Mexico. Uh, Mexico kind of just <laughs> kind of just dilutes the rest of it. Like uh, especially with Violeta and Austin FC, that recent game too. That just proves that the rest of Central uh, Central America and the Caribbean can can provide results and can provide these scenarios of essentially giant killings. So it it definitely adds to the picture of Concacaf. I think it'd be intelligent to identify what is the target with you know the fusion or the integration that's happening. If that was you know. Besides the money aspect, it's to actually grow the sport. I think that maybe not create a League's Cup between just the United States and Mexico. Maybe create an intercontinental cup and have maybe not the best teams go, but maybe the middle tier teams go or the bottom tiers team go to where it opens the competition and allows them to maybe expand into a Champions League berth or something like that. But I think overall the League's Cup, it's just a money grab, you know. It's going to bring all the Mexican teams to the United States. You know, maybe a fans that root for a Puebla who normally don't come to the States or a, a Leon, um, their fans are going to be able to travel, whether it's, you know, a short distance, a long distance within the United States, and allow them to come see their team who maybe not have the opportunity to go down to Mexico. Um, so I think that establishing or identifying what the target is with growing or expanding the CONCACAF besides the money aspect would be a great start. But as we are we're aware, well aware is at the moment is just for money and to raise the standard and where the rivalry of so-called leagues and what has been going on, you know, with especially with recent CONCACAF with Seattle winning last year, LAFC now in the championship. I think that there's more to be done than just throwing a tournament World Cup style in the middle of the Liga MX season and towards what the end or beginning of uh, right around MLS. the middle, yeah. Do you have anything else uh, on the Lewis or? No, definitely uh, like that idea that Arnoldo brought up is uh, using it to give the some of the lower tier teams a shot at at uh, maybe joining Concacaf. I, I, I would love to see more Central Americans teams have a shot at it instead of just your usual three or four that that make it, you know, like the Saprisas or the Alianzas and the Olympias. Uh, it would be nice to have, you know, a few more of the lower lower teams have a shot at it. Kind of like Violet had that that short run. Even that was that was fun to watch. You know, I enjoyed that because it's tough. You know, it's tough to go to Central America and play these games and like. We talked about it whenever Theater was making a run in the CONCACAF. We were going to play on, like, seven inches of grass. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's it, it's tough. You know, the environment, some of these people that go watch these games are hostile. Like, they're died hard for their fans because there's nothing else going on. There's no uh, Starbucks around the corner to go hang out. There's no, like, fast food to go get some. You know, they're, they're working class people, and they're – their moments of happiness is, you know, by bonding with a team, a local team. So I think that, you know, if you allow that and open that up as an idea of competition, I think it would not be as easy for these middle middle tier and the MLS or middle tier and the Liga MX to go down there and play and truly have a real, true competition. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that would definitely be interesting and, and worth 
the time at least looking into. That's for sure. I I definitely agree. I think I, I have one question for both of you that it may be the hardest one out of all of these that I've just asked, but we we will see. If you could bring back one player in their prime to play one more game at either club or national level, who would it be? Easy. Easy. Okay, good, good, good. For my club, for my club team, it would be Lucas Lobos. Most definitely. Okay, uh, okay. He would be, he'd be the one for the national team. Uh, Rafa Marquez, he, you know, he's a historic guy. I think, uh, that guy never gets, never gets old. He could fit in any system. He could play center back. He could play holding mid. Great passer. So that's, that's one guy I would bring back. I mean, Hugo Sanchez is another guy that comes to, to mind in the national team, but, for my club, it would definitely be Lucas Lobos. Uh, for me, I think uh, for the national team, I would definitely go Hugo Sanchez. I didn't get to watch him play, but everything I've heard, seen on videos and whatnot, uh, Mexico hasn't had a player like that. Rafa Marquez is the closest thing, but Rafa Marquez was in a scoring threat, and I like to think of Hugo Sanchez as like, you know, the LeBron, the Tiger Woods of our country. So I think that having someone like that on our current team or just around would be something uh, very inspiring for the youth and for players who are hungry to, you know, succeed. So I think on that sense, at the national level, I would say that. And at the club level, there's another guy prior to Lucas Lobos. Lucas Lobos is also one of my favorite players. Um, but there's another guy. He's behind Walter me right there. Right yeah, he's behind me right there in that picture. Uh, there's three guys. There's Gignac, Lucas Lobos, and Walter Gaitan. So, you know, they call him the magician uh, or the divine player uh, just because he has so much class on his left foot. A lot of things happen off the field where things didn't end up well, but uh, at the club, and he didn't get his championship, but he's gifted and uh, talented and top five player in our history. Absolutely, yeah. I love this. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. So... Going into our last little segment here, we have a very special PK shootout between you two. Uh, it, and in typical fashion, the first couple questions are going to be about Liga MX. I'm hoping I made some of these questions hard enough for you guys. So I'm, I may be getting some laughs, maybe a snicker or two uh, about one of them maybe not being difficult. But we'll see. We'll, we will see. Who would like to go first? Let Arnoldo go first. All right, I'll go. Okay. So the very first question that I have for you guys, which, again, hopefully is easy for at least the first question, the very beginning question. Which one of these teams does not have more than five league titles? Atlas, Fachuca, Pumas, or Club Leon? That one's very easy, but how do we answer? So I just do we race to answer or or I, I just answer? You can just answer, yeah. Oh, I mean, I feel like that's super easy. So let me give you some history. Okay. I think Atlas, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Lou went what 81 years without or something like that without winning Forever. a championship. Forever. And they won back to back, so that's definitely the easier, uh, the easiest answer. So it's Atlas. Okay, perfect. Yes, and that is the correct answer. So, going on to your first question for 
Mr. Lewis. This might be a difficult first question, but I promise I make it up. <laughs> they, I do have an easy question per per set of groups. This one just didn't start with an easy question. Which Olympic Games did Mexico make its first international appearance in? Oh, that is tough. 1920, 1924, 1928, or 1932? Oof. I'm going to go 28. 28, final answer? Final answer. And you have converted it good, sir. That is the correct answer, 1928. Upper 90. Yes, sir. All righty. For question number two. I don't know. Again, like I said, we'll see how this one shapes out. Which one of these Liga Emeki sides has the unofficial slogan of, hopefully I say this right, Odiame Mas? Oh, man. <laughs> that's you're, an easy one. You're giving me the easy ones. Lou's going to feel like you're cheating him. So that's going to be Club America. But we're, we're going to, we're slowly trying to steal that slogan. We're not trying. It's happening. By all the media. Oh, fantastic. Well, I actually look forward to that then. You know what it means? I do. It okay. hate me more. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it makes sense. <laughs> it would make sense, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure I may have made these hard enough. So, but, Lewis, for your, I'm fairly confident this is going to be an easy question. Which one of these clubs does not have a rivalry with Club America. Chivas, Toluca, Cruz Azul, or Pumas? Go with Toluca. And you slotted that one away. Though those are some really good games though, usually every year. They do they do have some great games. They got knocked out last season by Toluca, by the way, so that's yeah. uh, some bad blood right now. Alrighty. So I'm hoping to step it up here with these next couple questions. Are you ready, Mr. Orlando? Yes, sir. All righty. Javier Hernandez holds the record for the most goals with the Mexican national side. But how many has he scored? Okay. It's in 40, the 50s. 46, 48, 50, or 52? I'm going to lean towards the 52. Final answer? Final answer. And you've just slipped it past the post. Yeah. It is the correct answer. Wow. Fantastic. Now, honestly, I thought it was going to be like 57. I knew it was an odd number. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It, it, yep. I I wanted to make sure to get it at least around that range. So that was a good one, though. And for you, Mr. Lewis, I have a similar question. And again, with this name pronunciation, I hope I get it right. Andres Guardado, Guardado, perfect, holds the record for the most caps with the Mexican national side. How many appearances does he have? 179, 181, 183, or 185? Oh, that's tough. That is a tough one. I'm going to go 179. <clears throat> Final answer? Final answer. And we are going into the fourth question, three for three. Wow. <laughs> this Ooh. is incredible. 
fantastic. When, when are you going to give Arnoldo a tough one, though? Come on. <laughs> okay, so it might have to be question five. We'll see. But, but Okay, so we've got this question, number four. You guys know your Liga MX history, so let's see if you know this one. We all know that Club America has the most Liga MX titles, but who has the most second place titles? Oh, it's another easy one. Oh, I don't know that, Lou. Chivas, come on, get out of here. Chivas, Cruz Azul, Club America, or Toluca? You mean second place titles, as in like the like in second place to have? Yes. Oh, that's yes. Chivas. Final answer? Yeah. And it's gone off the post and out. Wait, hold on. Did you mean league titles or overall titles? The uh, overall titles. Oh, it's, that's where they got you, Arnaldo. Okay. So, yeah, overall Liga MX titles. Cruz Azul has the most runner-up positions. Oh, that okay. makes sense. They're always losers. <laughs> okay. So... We may have had a little bit of controversy for the fourth question. Alrighty, for Mr. Lewis, maybe this might make up the easy questions. I'm hoping so. <laughs> if I say I was going to the El Clásico del Sur, which game am I going to? Clásico de what? Del Sur. Del Sur? Yes, I believe so. S-U-R. No, that doesn't. Well, is it a multiple choice? Go ahead and hit yeah. me up with it. Yes, of course, yeah. All right. Uh, F, uh, FC Juarez versus Tijuana. Club Leon versus Chivas. Chivas versus Atlas. Or Puebla versus Deportivo uh, Veracruz. <laughs> I have no idea. Clásico del Sur? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't, that doesn't ring a bell. Uh... It's definitely not Juarez and uh, Tijuana. That's north. Atlas and Chivas is not it. So count that out. So we got Puebla and Veracruz. It's kind of odd to say. That sounds about right. And then the other one is Leon versus Chivas. Man. I'm going to have to go just on a... On a 50-50 here, I'm going to have to go Puebla, Veracruz. Final All answer. All right. You've gone up, and you slotted it past the keeper. It is the correct answer. Chignac, baby. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so going into the fifth and final question, we have 4-3 to Mr. Lewis. Alrighty, Are you ready, Mr. Arnaldo? Yes, sir. Alrighty. Let's make, let's hope I got these two hard for you guys. <laughs> Which team has the most CONCACAF Champions League final appearances without ever lifting the title? Club Leon, Santos Laguna, Pinal del Rio, or S.V. Robin Hood? Wow. I'm a little stumped there. I, what were the last two? 
Sure, of course. It's you've got Cuban side Binada del Rio, and I believe it's Suriname side S V Robin Hood. It has to be one of those two. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to take a wild guess, and I'm going to say it's the Cuban squad. Final answer. We're going with Binada del Rio. Yeah. And the goalkeeper's gotten a hand to it. <laughs> it's Leon, isn't it? It is actually not. It he was correct. It is S V Robin Hood. Well, oh, be, uh, being from those last two, I should. Yeah, say. yeah, yeah. I've so, never heard of those teams. <laughs> so I, yeah, I added those mainly due to the fact of that kind of little information. So I kind of took a gamble there. <laughs> Yeah, nice. Besides one of them being the correct answer. <laughs> I'm I'm made for the regular uh regular time instances. I'm not good at PK. That's <laughs> okay, that's okay. Well, I, I'm glad that I'm glad that the fifth one was a hard question though. So that that's good. Alright, so I'm hoping to make this one hard as well for your final question, Mr. Lewis, to put the game away. Uh I think you've already Actually, Mr. Arnaldo, yeah, he's he's already gotten it. But that's okay. I'm still going to give you the fifth question. He pulled the France in the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, alrighty. So, with the fifth and final question, out of these four nations, which one has the most Gold Cup titles? Guatemala, Panama, El Salvador, or Jamaica? El Salvador. Yes, that's one of the questions. Is that your pick? That's my final answer. Alrighty. Really? I thought didn't Jamaica win one in the in the common er, uh in the recent era, like in two thousand something? Uh so the final answer is neither of them. What it the, is, Guatemala? It is Guatemala. They only have one. Yeah, they only have one gold cup title to their name. Huh. Cool. So, but yes. Alrighty, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that little PK shootout. I know that some of the questions weren't uh, that difficult, but I, I hope it was fun. And uh, do you guys have any last-minute comments or anything like that? I appreciate you guys coming on, and, and I hope you guys had fun. Absolutely, man. Thanks a lot. It was a great combo. Yeah, thanks for having us, Justin. Absolutely. Alrighty, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely, my friend. Reach out whenever you need us. Take care.